Hey, my fellow monkeys, what's up? Old Uncle Silverback here with you on the Armed Ape Podcast, the show where we review and talk about everything from guns, gear, and movies to life in general. Nothing is ever out of bounds. As always, everything we talk about has the end goal of making our lives better by cutting through all the marketing BS using logic, reason, and honest discussions. I look forward to hearing from you soon and to your participation in the show. Well, hello once again, my beautiful monkeys and my fellow travelers. What is going on? We are going to be doing episode four of season two of Mr. Inbetween, and the episode title is Monsters. So before we do that, though, let's go ahead and get our contact info going. Now you guys should be listening to this. I believe it will come on Monday, August the 2nd. So as you know, I am doing some things where I am recording these. Uh, In fact, I'm recording these on the 25th of July, which is a Sunday. And I wanted to get a bunch of them in the can so that I can just schedule them and they can drop for you guys. All right. So anyway, We do have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. And you can call that number up and just if you want to say hello or if you want to add a few comments about any of the episodes that we've covered so far or anything else, you can do that. You are limited, again, to about 90 seconds with that, but you can call it multiple times if you feel like it. Or we have the email address, which is thearmedape at gmail.com. All one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. And you can either record your own audio and send that to me or write out an email and I'll read it out for you on the show. If you go over to the website, which is thearmedape.com, you'll find buttons for my YouTube channel, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Although I don't do a whole lot with that stuff, to be quite honest anymore. Uh, I am doing more with YouTube. And that could be one way that if you wanted to support the show, you could go over to the website, click on the YouTube icon. It'll take you over to my YouTube channel, which is Every Blade of Grass. And just go ahead and subscribe to that if you would. I'd greatly appreciate it. Another way that you could support the show is the old-fashioned way with some money. And if you ever felt so inclined to do that, I would really appreciate it. That'd be great. It does help defer the cost of hosting and the domain names, making sure that I keep those in my name. There is a donation, a donate now button over on the website, and you can just click on that and follow the prompts. All right, so let's go ahead and again, let's jump in with Mr. In Between Season 2, Episode 4, Monsters. So the scene opens up, it's about. Oh, 4.44 in the morning, and we know that because Britt comes in to Ray's room, and she asks if I can, goes, can I sleep with you? And he's like, oh, did you have a bad dream? And she's like, oh, and monsters. And so there we get the title of the show, as uttered by Little Miss Britt. 
And Ray takes some time to sort of console her and comfort her. And one of the things that Ray does, especially with Brittany, is he does try and give her solutions. He never says, oh, just close your eyes and it'll be fine. He tries to give her a way to cope with things. And I think that's probably because when he was a kid growing up, he didn't really have anybody that gave him a lot of uh, help with that stuff. Or, and again, we don't, uh, at least at this point in the series, we haven't heard too much about Ray's past. We heard a little bit uh, about how he, he was bullied at school and he was getting knocked around at school, but was also getting abused at his house as well, at his home. And we assume that this probably was the same, uh, same case probably for Bruce as well. So anyway, what he tells her is, oh, you, you know, if you've got monsters under the bed, you can give them a name and kind of give them a silly name. And that way you won't be afraid of them. When I was a kid, there was a a monster under my bed and I gave him the name Gus. And that was kind of funny. And so then, and when he's talking to her, she has gotten into bed and has pulled the sheets over her head. And so he pulls the sheet up over his head. And that's when he has a conversation again, just stuff that we would see a caring, loving father doing. At the very end, he does a little thing that's kind of funny, I thought, where he says, he pulls the sheet back over his head and he's like, are you going to stand her there all night? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, all right, good night. And she's like, good night. And then it cuts over to Ray and Freddie are in Freddie's office at the the club and they're just having a, a conversation. I think it's about rice or something like that. And then Freddie sees a spider on the wall and they have a, a bunch of stuff about that and then uh, it's, it's a, a good comical thing and uh, again it shows sort of that easy relationship between Ray and Freddie. I've talked about this before in the past is that even though Ray works at the club and he I, I think he primarily works at the club so that just on paper he has a job somewhere doing something. I don't think at this point, I don't think Ray necessarily needs the money or because he's doing work for Freddie and Freddie's being able to get his money to him on a reasonable timetable, Ray has a bunch of money. Uh, In fact, we saw on the last episode, Ray got about $100,000 cash to do the hit on uh, the president of of the biker gang. Like I said, there's this big spider on the wall. Freddy kind of freaks out, wants Ray to kill it. Ray kind of teases him about it and is like, oh, you got to face your fears and all that stuff. So it's it's a fun back and forth that they have. A girl comes in and tells Freddy, oh, this so-and-so is here to see you. So we go out. We cut to the next scene where Freddy's talking to an older guy, probably in his, oh, late 50s probably pushing early 60s maybe and freddie says so why don't you tell ray your story mate so this guy relates his story to ray and he says that back in 1995 his daughter went missing and that the police had a guy who was named dennis miller that they were uh, almost 100 percent sure and especially this one detective on the case who was working with it and got to kind of have a relationship with the family, especially with the husband, was saying, you know, we're really looking strong at this guy, but we just don't have the proof. He was, uh, this Dennis Miller person, was a previously convicted child molester. The father is saying, look, you know, I have liver cancer. I'm not going to live very long. 
but my I want to before I die I want to know what happened and I want and he he goes on to relate that he wants to be able for he and his wife to be able to close the book uh, and he says I just want to know what he did with her you know where are her remains so that we can at least go visit her type thing so that they can close the book and he says to Ray too another thing is you know if this is asking too much you know that's I understand and this that and the other thing so we see as he is well and so it it kind of the conversation kind of ends Ray asks how old was she and he says she was 13 so we see that when when Ray and when Freddie are listening to this guy's story, I don't know if Freddie, I think Freddie has maybe heard the gist of it. Maybe he hasn't gotten the, all the details of it. But as he's relating the story, you see it affects Ray. Now, Ray's face remains relatively stoic, but you can tell if you're, so if you knew Ray, and I think this is like the reactions that we see, I don't know if, uh, we'll just call him the father. I can't remember his name right now, but I don't know if in looking at Ray, he probably just thinks Ray is just sort of sitting there and kind of, you know, nodding and this, that, and the other thing. But as as the viewer and as having, having watched Ray over all these episodes, we can sort of see some of the emotion that, that uh, is sort of underneath the skin, so to speak. And we also see, you know, that I'm sure both Ray and Freddie have done time. Uh, and it is kind of a well-known thing that a lot of criminals do, even as, as bad as they are. They do not like child molesters and they uh, and rapists, things like that. So again, this kind of would maybe jive with Ray's and Freddie's sort of almost like a visceral, visceral. There we go. Reaction that they're having. Also, the guy that is playing the father is fantastic. He's it's a it's a quite a good performance. The next scene we see is a man and he's making some pasta and cooking some stuff in his in his home. Ray kind of comes in and surprises him and we see the guy is an older man, probably again in his late 50s, early 60s. And Ray says, I want to know what happened to Jenny Greer. And of course, the guy denies it. They do some back and forth stuff. Ray makes the guy handcuff himself. And then he says, look. Jenny's dad wants to know what happened to her and wants to know where her remains are. And you tell me what I want to know. And and he also says, he doesn't want the cops involved. So you tell me what I want to know. I'll fuck off and you'll never see me again. And we see Ray's kind of his body language, everything that he's doing. He's very calm. He's not being overly dramatic. He's speaking in low, quiet tones, but he is, you can tell he's very serious and he is really projecting an air of menace. The guy basically says, look, I swear to God, I don't know what happened. And then Ray goes, all right. So he goes over to the sink. He puts the stopper in. He fills up the sink. Then the guy's like, well, he's kind of looking at him like, what's going on here? And the guy says, well, I've got money and Ray kind of like, gets that maniacal smile and he kind of laughs at the guy, chuckles and laughs. He's like, I don't want your money. And then he starts walking over to the guy and the guy's like, well, what are you going to do? And he's like, whatever it takes, mate. So he takes him over to the sink that is now filled up. He shoves his 
face down into the water. Now, what's in, what's what's nice about this scene, or what's interesting, I guess, maybe from a a storytelling standpoint, is Ray is not you know he's not six foot five and weighs two hundred and thirty pounds, but Ray is you know he's relatively fit. He keeps himself in shape. The guy that he's going after is bigger than Ray and probably outweighs him, but is an older guy. He's not going to have the the kind of the strength to go against somebody like Ray. So Ray takes him over and he's having a hard time because the guy's kind of resisting. He's having a hard time getting the guy's face down into the sink full of water. Eventually he gets it in there and you hear like the So it does a really neat thing in that it cuts to the outside and you hear very, very faintly the classical music. And what you're what you're doing is you're hearing the crickets chirping. And you hear a car go by, but it's as if you are were walking on the sidewalk and you look in through the the open windows and you can see Ray is pushing this guy down over the sink. So I and again I thought that was a very interesting uh, a very interesting choice. So this sort of interrogation kind of goes on for a while and basically Ray yanks him up out of the sink, throws him to the ground and continues the interrogation and he does some interesting things he one of the things he says is look you seem like an okay kind of bloke and i don't want to hurt you so just tell me what i want to know the guy persists you've got the wrong guy i don't know this person so Ray's kind of like all right well i did you know i tried to be nice and he, he has a stun he takes out a stun gun and he you know fires it up and he jabs the guy and the guy's like oh then he He's like, where do you want it? Where do you want it? And he jabs him again and he starts to shock him. And the guy yells out, you know, Oxford Tunnel, Oxford Tunnel. So eventually, the you know, the guy tells Ray what Ray wants to know. We leave him sort of, he's on the ground. He is crying. He tells Ray that's where she is. Basically, that's where the remains are. And he asks the guy where in the tunnel. The guy says, well, I, I don't know exactly, but that's where I put it. And then Ray says, it? And then the guy quickly kind of corrects himself. And he's like, uh, her, that's, that's where I put her, I mean. Uh, so this guy knows that he is not, he's not dealing with the police. He's not dealing with, he's, he's dealing with somebody who is, number one, completely in charge. But number two, will have zero mercy for him. So that's why I think this guy eventually capitulates rather, you know, rather quickly. So the next scene is they are, uh, they drive out to where this Otford tunnel is. Ray takes the guy uh, out there. He's got him at gunpoint. The dude is still handcuffed. So basically he just, he's wearing the same clothes and everything. Basically he just tosses him in the van and they go out there. When they arrive at the, I guess you could say like the tunnel entrance, it's all overgrown and the thing is locked up so there's the it's like there's a big chain link gate that kind of closes off maybe the tunnel down to get down into that area and it's it's also locked up he cuts the thing they it's it's almost think of it like an abandoned railroad so when they go through the gate they kind of step down like this bank and then where the where the um railroad tracks are and then they go into the tunnel and of course, this thing has probably been has been abandoned for years, and it's probably why this guy uh, used this thing. 
So Ray takes him down into the tunnel. It's pretty much, it's at, again, it's at night, but in the tunnel, it is pitch black and they just have a, Ray has a lantern that he's holding. The guy's walking in front of Ray. It's interesting way of, of uh, filming because the only light that you're getting is from the little lantern that Ray has got. They get down to the end of the tunnel and you can see there's a bunch of beams maybe that have collapsed. The guy starts digging. Uh, some of the beams are too heavy. He gets Ray to help him. Then he digs some more underground and he pulls out kind of a big suitcase. And he's again, can you, the guy's like, can you help me get this out? Ray goes over and helps him. And it's a pretty big, oh, kind of like a nylon suit suitcase thing. The guy is like, you know, here, this, this is her, basically. She's in here. And Ray just has a look of utter disdain and disgust on his face. Uh, the next thing we see, it is Ray is outside. It's morning time. The He's waiting at the railroad track. So what we're to assume is either Ray has called him directly or has called Freddie and uh, the father has come back. The dad comes down to the thing. Ray has taken the suitcase where the girl is. Remember I told you that before you get to the tunnel entrance, there's kind of a, oh, probably like a 30 or 50 yard uh, lay of, of train tracks. And Ray has taken the suitcase and he's put it out kind of up on those banks, out of the tunnel away. The dad comes he sees the suitcase. He he knows what's in there. Of course, at this at this point, it had been what? It was since 95. So at the time of the show, it's probably been like 23, 24 years. So there's probably not going to be a whole lot left of the girl. Again, the father gives a, a wonderful performance as a grieving parent, par, uh, par, parent. There we go. And he takes, he looks into the suitcase again and he... There's a locket in there, a heart-shaped locket, and he knows that that's his daughter's locket, and so he he takes that out. This whole time, Ray is down at the tunnel entrance, and he's got his back toward the father. So he is again. This is important. It's a it's a it's a it's a really interesting shot. But aside from that, it is a thing where Ray is given the guy his time, given him his space, and given him the respect to kind of mourn his daughter. The dad comes up to Ray and he asks, is he in there? Meaning, is, is the guy in the tunnel? Ray gives him the lantern, and uh, the father kind of has some trepidation on his face, but he goes in there, uh, down to the end of the tunnel. The guy was kind of sitting on the ground. He gets up and he's looking at the father, and the father says to him, do you know the pain you've caused? Miller doesn't really say anything to him for a little bit. The father turns and walks away, starts walking out of the tunnel, and Miller says, I'm sorry. As the guy is walking down, he stops, and all you see is just kind of the lantern light and basically his legs. He stops for a second, and then he walks away. As he walks away, the, the camera is on Miller, and it slowly fades to black because the dad is leaving the tunnel and he has the, the light source. He has the lantern with him. So he makes his way back out of the tunnel. He comes back up to Ray. He shakes Ray's hand and he says, thank you. And then he 
slowly walks away. At this point, we hear uh, uh, some music, and we see that Ray is walking back into the tunnel, and he's walking kind of fast and stiff. He walks in, and again, we see him. He goes into the tunnel, and it just it fades off to basically to, to black. And so we know that Mr. Miller there is probably not going to make it. So again, Ray is not the type of person who is going to tolerate that type of individual to remain on, on, the, on the face of the planet, uh, especially in this thing. Nobody's going to find this guy's body for years and years and years. So anyway, I know I had talked a little bit about maybe I'd play a clip or two, but I don't think we necessarily needed to on this one. Uh, the episode is around, oh, it, it's a shorter one. It's only about 22 minutes and it goes relatively fast. Uh, but it, it was one of, of the ones I've seen so far. It was kind of one of my favorites. So, all right, I think that is going to do it. We'll draw the show to a close. If you would like to contact me about anything, I just even if you just want to say hello and say this is, you know, Steve from Atlanta or whatever, I'd love to hear from it, and you can do that either by recording your own audio or sending me an email to thearmedape at gmail.com, or you can call uh, the voicemail, which is 206-745-2731. All right, my beautiful, beautiful monkeys and my fellow travelers, I will talk to you guys next time.